this young man, he, he goes, coach, can I say something? I looked at him. I said, sure. And he went off. He was basically like, this is uh, not acceptable. We're too talented for this. This is not how we're we're going to have our senior year. We put in too much. I mean, he went on a five-minute tirade. And when he was done, he took a knee. We all just kind of looked at each other, and I was like, I'll see you all tomorrow. <laughs> that was my post-game speech. And we went on to win 17 games in a row. He goes, there's one thing I want you to always remember is that people work with you, not for you. The longer you're in it, the more you realize you don't know. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. It's the Roger Maris episode, number 61. Got a good one in store for you here today with Steve Moss. He's tuning in from Houston, Texas. And as we all know, Texas knows how to do high school sports as always thank you for hitting the play button and a huge thank you to will minor and the gang over at netting pros for sponsoring the high school coaches club if you need any facility improvements make netting pros your first call they'll probably be your only call not only will they help you design it but they'll do it all custom for you from the fabrication to the installation they've got you covered for nets obviously uh, but also for digital graphic wall padding uh, turf turf protectors cubbies windscreen ball carts you name it They crush the baseball and softball world on a daily basis, but they also get after it in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field, golf courses, and just about any sport you can imagine. They're truly making facilities better all across America, providing high-quality products and services for facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country, not only at the high school level, but also for recreational, collegiate, and professional sports as well. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Netting Pros. They're improving programs one facility at a time. This podcast is also sponsored by Driveline Plus. High school coaching is about effectively identifying and communicating what athletes need to do to improve. Driveline Plus is a growing and ever-changing library of the best information on baseball player development. Members will find how-tos on different baseball technology and the latest research findings from Driveline's lab, along with inside access to Driveline trainers to make sure you can effectively coach your team. Plus, members also get the best discounts that you can find on Driveline training gear. All of you wonderful members of the High School Coaches Club can get $25 off your first year of Driveline Plus by using the coupon code HSCC. Go to drivelinebaseball.com slash plus to get started. You can also find the link down in the show notes. In this episode, I'm joined by Steve Moss. He's the head baseball coach at the Kincaid School in Houston, Texas. He played professional baseball in the Kansas City Royals organization before making the transition into the coaching world. And let me just say, he knows coaching. Kind of like Bo Jackson knows pretty much everything, right? From football to basketball to track to tennis and obviously baseball, he's coached it all. And he's pretty darn good at it, too. In the last six years, he's sent 20 players on to play college baseball, and his teams also win a lot. And once you get listening, you'll understand why. It's a great conversation, and he's a hilarious dude. I can't wait for you to hear him talk about the only professional at-bat he ever had. Uh, it's it's a really good story, and I'll leave it at that. You'll, you'll get to hear it in a minute. So let's do it. Let's dive in. It's episode 61 with Steve Moss. All right, I'm joined by Steve Moss. Steve, thanks for joining the show. Thank you for having me. 
I'm I'm really excited to have you on today. I you know I I know we were connected through a mutual friend on Twitter, and that seems to be where I, I meet most people right now. But um, I really want to start here uh, because I want to make sure we get to this. And um, you told me before off air that you um, don't know your coaching record, but that you can tell me why today. So I'm going to start yeah. the boat there. Why can't yeah. you tell me your coaching record? Well, so I mean, I just. And, and I, I'm not judging anyone that does know it or anything like that. I just I feel like that the games that that I won, I played in, and uh, I feel like that the kids are are the ones that win the games. And and you know, I I try to uh, to stay as as off the scenes as I can. I feel like practices are for coaches, and 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 games are for the kids. And um, you know, I I just I have my own, you know, you know, just kind of nuances about uh, just trying any way that I can to make it about the kids, and uh, and that's one of them. Just not, you know, I'm not really interested in in knowing my overall coaching record, so to speak, because again, I feel like that that the the games are for the kids, and and I'm not out there throwing pitches and that kind of thing. I. I have my own quirks about going out um, for the national anthem. I, I like the kids to go out and and they're they're out there, they're in front of the crowd. Um, you know, again, I don't judge anyone that that does otherwise. It's just my own my own little thing that that uh, that that I just you know, it's just one of those things that I don't I, I don't really. I don't really care to know when it's when it's all said and done. I think you know we're we're in it for for how many lives do we affect? How many how you know I how many kids do I keep up with? Uh, those are the records that um, that that I like to keep. And you know how many how many relationships do do last beyond high school? How many how many weddings do I attend or or those types of things? So. Um, that's just that's just me. Uh, call me crazy or whatnot, but um, that's uh, that's just kind of kind of how I do it. So every every questionnaire that I fill out, um, I just put a little line through it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I think that's what all of us. Um we all say that kind of thing. Like we're, we're about the kids and um, I think we all know that's what we're supposed to be. But then like the first thing, like your questionnaires, resumes, when people talk to you, when they um, you know, if there's any articles or anything like that, that's almost the first thing that's always listed for a coach is their win loss record. Yet we all know, like in the real world, we all know that's not what it's really about. Right. Yeah. It's uh, you know, I mean, and again, you know, there's, a lot of people that I highly, highly, highly respect that I look up to in the game and, you know, they, they, you know, put on Twitter or whatever their 500th win or 700th right. win. And, you know, I'll like it. And, you know, I, I support that. It's just, it's my own personal, you know, it's just something that I feel like, and, you know, I know we're going to dive into culture, but I feel like that, that culture is just a, a lot of little things and um it's just one of the little things that that i do that that i hope ends up adding up to a big thing a big culture whatnot i don't think there's one little you know one set thing that that you do to um to create the culture of your program or or whatnot but uh 
you know, I think it's a combination of a lot of things that, that you do or don't do. So it's just one of those things that, that, that I believe in. And, you know, maybe someday somebody will talk me into going back and looking at it. But as, as of right now at 48 years old, I, I, I don't, I have no idea what it is. And I don't really have a lot of work at this point to go back through. That would be, that would (laughs) be. There you go. Save the trouble. Man, I see uh, just looking at like your coaching career, there's track, tennis, football, basketball, obviously, obviously baseball as well. High school, middle school. Um, just like, Dude, you've done a lot of things. <laughs> you've right, just done a lot. Right. I've done the done definitely done the coaching carousel. So uh, just kind of starting back um, when I was in college, I was um, kind of a on the border of pre med physical therapy. I started out physical therapy, uh, you know, getting prerequisites for for that while I was playing college baseball, and then I I realized that quickly realized that I was in a lot of the same classes as the pre-med students. So switched it over to that. And so I was bouncing back and forth. And then I had the opportunity to play um, minor league baseball. So I would substitute in the off season and uh, just really started to enjoy that, fell in love with that. And, um, you know, just loved working with the kids. And um, when I got released in January of 2000, um, I, it was it literally was like the first day that we came back for semester and um i uh was fortunate enough to substitute at one of my old elementary schools and my old kindergarten teacher uh let me know about a long-term sub position that had opened up in a middle school and um so i ended up going there interviewing for that I subbed for the remainder of the year. They had a uh, administration change at that point, and um, they hired me on long term. I did my alternative certification, and then next thing you know, I'm in middle school for four or five years. And I wasn't always a hundred percent sure that I wanted to go to high school. Um, I, I knew, uh, you know, I played football, but I, I knew in Texas, I, I knew the, uh, you know, the football. Uh, baseball combination of coaching. And I wasn't a hundred percent sure that I wanted to commit to, to that. And of course, you know, if you, you do it, you want to do a great job for the kids, but um, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that, that the weekend hours and the scouting and that kind of thing was, was for me. So um, it, it took me a little while to, uh, to, to really think about where I wanted to go. And um I knew the principal at, at a local high school and he, he asked me every time we, we talked to, to come over there. And, um, it finally ended up that the head coaching job opened up and, uh, he made that offer and, you know, I'd never been an assistant uh, at that point out, you know, I was an assistant in middle school, but not in baseball or anything. So I went ahead and accepted and, um, and I was there for three years and my wife and I built a house, um, quite, quite a ways away, um, out in Magnolia, which is, it was probably, you know, an hour drive. Um, and so that was, that was taking a toll. And so, um, we ended up, I ended up changing schools and moving out to Magnolia and, um, I just figured that 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 would get get my foot in the door. And when I interviewed with the administrator, the the principal there, 
um, you know, they didn't have a baseball opening. And he said, um, well, I'll tell you what, uh, the, the science position is yours. If you will, uh, take the tennis, the head tennis job. <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, you know, I've, I've played, you know, for fun, but you know, I feel like that if you, you know, if you can coach, you can coach. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I wasn't, you know, the most knowledgeable person, but I, I did the best job that I could for the kids. And, um, and then, uh, as, as I networked in the, in the, in the district, got to know the district athletic director and assistant athletic director, he came from the Klein district and, um, he informed me after that one year that, a that a head job had opened up at Klein forest and, um, you know, put in a good word for me. And then that's how I ended up at Klein forest. And, um, and, and then from there, uh, you know, we, we ended up getting an opportunity to go to, to a private school, which, uh, you know, for me, it was, it was about my kids and, you know, I never really considered going to private school, but just, you know, seeing what, what they had to offer. And, and, you know, you know, at that point, my wife and I had four children and, um, well, actually we had three when, when, um, when, when I started and then ended up having a fourth, but just that opportunity, you know, I I went to public school and I never really, um, thought about that, uh, that that was even feasible for our family. And, uh, and so when, when that opportunity popped up, we, we ended up making the move over to Kincaid and that's kind of where I've been for 11 years. And now all four of my children go there. It's a pre-K through 12 school. And, uh, my wife actually now she, she, she and I met and, um, when I, back when I worked in middle school and, um, and so we've been married now for 16 years and, uh, she stopped, she stopped working with stay at home mom. And, uh, then when our youngest ended up going back to school, she was lucky enough to, to get a position at Kincaid as well. So we have our entire family there. So it's a, um, we're all in, <laughs> we're yeah. all in. No kidding. Well, as a, as a coach, like, you know, this, you know, it's, it's there, you mentioned earlier, just the time of thinking way back at the start of this whole journey, when you're thinking of, of football and, and whatnot, and all the, the time commit that goes into coaching anyway. Um, and then as a coach to have a family too, like it's, it's, we spend a lot of time on whatever sport it is that we're coaching or multiple sports in, in a lot of cases. Right. And so one of the questions that I, I usually try to ask people who are, who are married and have kids is about how they, how they work things in and schedule things and make sure that their family's not taking second place to anybody. But it sounds like you've got it pretty well. You kind of found a glitch in the system where you just have everybody at the same school all day long. That's, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, it's, 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 we're very, very fortunate. It's, it's special to, to be able to walk down the hall. Now we have a, a, so our kids, we have a freshman daughter. Um, and then, and she was actually, um, once she, you know, she ended up getting in in kindergarten and we were still living in Magnolia. And I mean, I just feel bad for her because, you know, some of the rush hour traffic, I mean, she, <laughs> there were, there were nights where we were in the car for two hours and, and you know, <laughs> we ended up moving closer to Kincaid. But, um, so we have a freshman daughter, a fifth grade daughter, a fourth grade son and a second grade, um, daughter. 
So, um, so it's really neat to be able to walk down the halls and see them and, and be right there whenever they have plays or performances. And then, you know, now my son is getting, getting to the age where, um, you know, he can go out there and, and, you know, I'm not worried about him, uh, getting hurt and he can go out there and, and, you know, play catch with the kids and shag balls and stuff like that. So, so that's fun. And he was my, he was, he was my, I'm a wide receivers coach for our varsity. So he was like my assistant wide receivers coach. He'd go out there and help me during that. And, um, you know, and we have a lot of our, our practices at Kincaid, um, you know, the, the sports that they're involved in, um, a lot of the, a lot of their practices are there. So, uh, it's busy, but it's fun, busy. Um, uh, you know, I've, daughters that are in soccer and swim and, and one in gymnastics. So, uh, our weekends are definitely full and, you know, you've got to, you've got to definitely make sure that, that, that is a priority. And like you said, I, I, we definitely found a glitch in the system and, and, and are able to all be together and, and make sure that, that we're taking care of, of, um, of our family first. Yeah, I, I think that's awesome. I think that's absolutely fantastic and something that a lot of coaches struggle with. And not to say you wouldn't have struggles too because it's still a huge time commitment, but um, it, what, a, what an awesome opportunity for you and your family to have. So um, let's go back then. So you became the the head baseball coach at Kincaid, uh, you know, a, a little over a decade ago or so. Um, right. When you look back, um, when you kind of first took over there, uh, can you kind of describe what the program was like at the time and kind of what you – I don't know, like what maybe your vision was as you were looking ahead, like what you wanted to do with it, what your goals were for it. Yeah. So I took over, um, for someone that I really, really respect Bobby Eggleston, who was, was the head coach. I think it was for 22 years. Hmm. And, um, he, uh, he's just an outstanding, outstanding human. And he's still at Kincaid right now. And, uh, he actually had a son that was a senior the year that I took over and um, he just was so helpful and so welcoming to me and um, you know, just very, very supportive. And that was a relationship that I wasn't a hundred percent sure uh, how it was going to go at first. It was, it was kind of funny because I was going through um, two days at Klein forest one day and I changed to two a days at Kincaid the next day. So it was, uh, you know, it was a late hire late in the summer. And, um, and, and my first year I was not on the varsity staff. As a matter of fact, I was on the JV staff with Bobby Eggleston and he was the head coach and defensive coordinator and I was the offensive coordinator. So, um, so we, we, we kind of joke about a lot of things that, uh, you know, at, at first we, you know, again, both not knowing the other, but basically being thrown together right away. And uh, we like to tell the story about we, we had, they, they, what do they say? The, you know, just don't wreck the Ferrari. Well, my first year there, our freshmen, which we, they were, they ended up being our JV um, were, extremely talented we had division one ended up being division one athletes all over the field and uh we really never were threatened to lose a game that whole that entire year and um so we end up um i end up you know he's a little bit more conservative when it comes to play calling and and i'm a little bit more you know let's throw the ball and 
Uh, I could tell pretty early on we were beating. We 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 scored an early touchdown against our rivals, and uh, I could tell pretty early on that we might not be able to throw the ball very much this game because you know we're going to get up pretty big and then you know run the clock out. So we end up getting a turnover, and we end up. We're, I think we're first in goal from like the one yard line or two yard line, and um, I call a I call a fade in the back of the end zone to one of our one of our division one future division one wide receivers and uh he didn't like that call too much and um <laughs> we we had some words on the sideline we joke about it now but um he ended up completing the pass and making the touchdown just to set the record straight but uh, oh, that's <laughs> but uh if 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 we'd have thrown an interception right there i don't think our relationship would be quite what it is right now yeah but um but it's funny we we really just you know we i it made the transition so easy um you know it, and it helped because the kids welcomed me when when you have the former coach that's on board and his son and just to feel welcomed um and it just made that transition so easy and i still keep in touch with a lot of those kids um today so it, it wasn't one of your typical you know i'm coming in i'm doing it one you know i know what you did before and we're doing it this way it was you know, we were on the same page. We, uh, you know, we, like I said, he's one of my best friends at the school and, and he's still there. He's a golf coach. And I, I kid with him and I keep, t- I keep asking him if he wants to come back and he's like, no, nah, I'm going to ride this golf gig out <laughs> for a little while. Um, but, uh, but no, he, he, it couldn't, couldn't have been, you know, a, a better transition. So, for for that for that sake and then you know i mean it's just every single every year just you know growing the culture and and the expectations and and you know surrounding yourself with a great coaching staff and uh you know i'm the the older i get the more i realize that you know it, it, you know i think when all of us started coaching and like i said i I never was an assistant baseball coach. So, you know, I played minor league baseball, so I know this and that, you know, when you, when you first start as a coach and then um, the longer you're in it, the more you realize you don't know. And um, I think that, that whether you're a launch angle guy, whether you're, you know, a, a down on the ball guy, whether, you know, all that and and trust me we have our beliefs and and you know what the swing should be and how things should be done but um it that to me doesn't really one it does it, it doesn't define success number two i think you can be successful in anything that that you know you get the kids to buy into um w- regardless of what what you believe in i think that if if you're teaching culture if you're uh, if you're about building relationships, if you're about, you know, the, the drive and the work ethic and, and just, you know, teaching lessons and where kids end up just, you know, will run through a wall for, for each other and, and you'll do the same and, and you build those relationships, all that other stuff is, is just on the side. And that, that ends up translating into a winning culture. And, and that's the thing is the more you focus on 
winning baseball games and baseball and baseball and baseball, probably, you know, the less you win and the more you start really focusing on people and, and surrounding yourself with good people and people that are in it for the right reasons. Um, it, it's kind of funny the the winning ends up actually taking care of itself. Yeah, it is always really funny because you, you think, especially as a younger coach for a lot of us, you, you kind of think that, um, you know, the more that I can coach all these baseball specific or whatever sport it is, these baseball specific things and really focus on winning, we'll win more games. And then, what you've, what you've kind of talked about already is something that I think most coaches at some point in their career probably figure out, or I hope they figure out, is that the winning actually, is, and, it, and it does, it seems really bizarre, but the winning, like it takes care of itself if you focus on the people part of it, which is what you're saying. And it's it's a really difficult thing to kind of grasp, especially when you're when you're younger, or maybe not even younger, but just you're, you're just still kind of stuck in the the strategy plan again, just like you, we have, we're, we have very specific ways we coach baseball, but it's still, um, it's still ultimately about human beings. And especially at the high school level, like you're, you're, you have an opportunity in a small window to really like help these people become w- whatever it is you want to help them become, but obviously better humans being the number one thing. Yeah, I think, um, so coming from public school, we had an athletic period and, you know, you'd obviously have almost all your baseball players out there, obviously, you know, crossover sports and that kind of thing. But, you know, you might have 20, 25, 30, 35 kids in a class where, you know, you're, you're in a class period. So you, you're not having that individual time. And what I thought was going to be a difficulty when I came to Kincaid of not having a baseball class and not having my athletes year round ended up actually being a blessing because our rules in SBC are that one coach in the off season can work with two players at a time. And so you can, you know, have a hitting session with two kids or whatever leading up to the season. And then our, where we can be around the entire group is from, you know, whatever it is, January 31st, February 1st through july 31st and so during the summers you you know we can run our own summer programs and that kind of thing which is really nice because we couldn't do that in public school but what i ended up what i end up realizing is these hitting sessions that i have these kids signed up for and i'll hit with them once or twice a week for 30 minutes ends up being about relationship building and, you know, hey, how's your older brother doing? You know, an older brother that might have played for me seven years ago and just getting to have those small conversations, um, you know, whether they're deep conversations or whether they're just joking around, giving each other, you know, a hard time, just, you know, having fun with them so that when it comes down to it, because, again, we, you know, we have high expectations and. When when I do have to, uh, you know, come down on someone, uh, they know it's out of love and they know that, you know, what I'm doing is is in their best interest and that we've already developed that relationship portion of it um, during the off season because of how um, because of how it's structured, because, you know, it forces us to do the one on two or one-on-one if, if another kid doesn't sign up for the same hitting slot. And and we're able to spend that time during the off season. So 
um, like I said, it, you know, it, it was something that when I got there, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, we, we're going to, we're going to be so far behind these other programs and, you know, they get this off season and, and, um, it ended up, it ended up just, I, you know, I, if I ever were, and I don't plan on leaving, I hope I retire from Kincaid, but if I ever were, I mean, it's, it's definitely something that, that I would take with me, whether it, whether it be, um, you know, if I did have a baseball class and hopefully would have an assistant in there, but just pulling a couple of kids and going and working with them and obviously, you know, working fundamentals and that kind of thing, but also understanding that it's about a lot more than that, which is about building relationships at the same time. So it's definitely something that, that I would, um, highly, highly suggest of any coach that, that does have an athletic period is, is to use that, especially if you have an assistant, use that time to, you know, get to know some of your players on a more personal level. We mentioned uh, really early on the idea of, of culture being just a culmination of a lot of little things and how those all kind of add up to create your culture or the program's culture, whatever it might be. And already starting to hear a few of them come through. So obviously, you know, uh, relationships um, and your kind of rule of two, for lack of a better term for it, ends up being something that helps you as a program actually build culture, which like you said, on the the, the first thought of it is like, oh, ew, only only two at a time. But then you, you dig deeper and realize, actually, that's probably, like you said, a blessing, right? Um, yeah. So what other like small things, little things can you attribute to um, Kincaid's baseball program kind of creating a, a culture that you're proud of? Well, I think, um, you know, again, it's, it, it starts with people and surrounding yourself with, with number one. And I mean, I could not be more blessed in the staff that I have. Um, you know, obviously, you know, one of my, uh, one, one coach that I work with, you know, reached out and, and, you know, was kind enough to, to, to give you my name and, you know, right. we just, we, we, we love each other and we respect each other and there's no jealousy. And, um, you know, uh, like Matt said one time he joked with me, I, I actually, it was, it was, it was about this podcast. I just said, Hey man, thanks for, uh, you know, thanks for throwing my name out there. Appreciate you all that. And he was like, Hey, you know, anything to promote your program, and uh, I sent him a text back and I said, hour with a smiley face and, you know, <laughs> just um, just things like that. You know, just my my dad always told me he was when he uh, I remember as a kid, uh, I had to have been like maybe nine, eight, ten. He got a promotion. He worked for Gulf Oil. And, you know, as a kid, I'm like, daddy's the boss. Daddy's the boss, you know, and all this stuff. And he looked at me and he goes, son. He goes, there's one thing I want you to always remember is that people work with you, not for you. And, um, I'll, I, I, it still rings to me today. Like, you know, um, it's, it's just one of those things that it has always stuck with me. And I, I, it, it's why I don't go out for the national anthem. It's why I don't, you know, know my coaching record, so to speak, because, you know, our assistants, just because, I'm the one whose name is, is on the website. You know, our assistants have every right to claim every win as well. So <laughs> like, it's, you right. know, that's, 
it, it, I, I just am very, very, very blessed. And, and, and I, I, I trust them. Um, you know, they, they, they have the respect to ask me, Hey man, do you, do you, do you mind if I do this with the players? No, because I, I what I've learned is again, it, it's not necessarily the drill or not necessarily the, 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 the way that you field a, a ground ball, you know, I mean, we're, we'll talk about it, um, you know, and we'll, we'll have those conversations and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, if, you know, like Matt's really passionate about, you know, how we warm up and, you know, and I think it's great if he's going to be passionate about it, that's, he's going to take ownership of it and that's going to be his. And if, you know, somebody else is passionate about how our pregame routine is, well then, that's yours. Like that's yours. You do it. You don't need to, you know, come to me and ask, like, if you, if this is what you're passionate about, then I want you to take ownership of it. And so we do that. I, I try to do that with our coaches, but then I try to do it with our players as well. And, um, and I feel like if they feel like that, this is their team, that they're going to take ownership of it. And that's creating culture. And, and, you know, they take ownership of making sure that, again, we're, you know, we're one, one V two, as far as off season goes from a coach to a, to a player, but that doesn't mean the players can't get out there and, and, and put their, you know, put a workout together. And, you know, I know what everybody says, oh, well, you know, the, you know, the, the player is, uh, or the players are doing the work, but the coach is behind the scenes, giving them a schedule and, you know, up in the press box, watching them and, you know, getting on the microphone and saying (laughs) stuff and that kind of thing off to the side, we don't do it. Um, you know, the players do everything. Like, as a matter of fact, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure right now they, they are putting together some sort of scrimmage themselves right now. And again, I don't know. They asked me if, if I could, um, reserve the field for them. Um, and I said, sure. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's a dad there making sure that they're not, you know, getting hurt, but, um, but I don't, I I don't do it because again, it's, it's about them taking ownership and, and, and it's been years in the making. I mean, it took, it took a while, for the kids to start to understand that, you know, we're going to, we're going to work hard. We're going to be a family. Um, you, you know, we're, we're not going to worry about rodeo season or whatever, because it's, trust me. I mean, we, you know, we've had those, those times where, you know, we get, we get finished with the game and, and, you know, before our talk, we get, we have kids going going in the locker room and changing into their jeans and boots because they got to get to the rodeo, and um, you know that that has that has shut down because not because of me but because of the kids. The kids have have taken ownership of the program, and it's a it's a player led program. But again, it's you constantly have to work if you're going to give that much um you know to the players to lead like that obviously you have to teach how to lead it, you know not every not everyone is you know knows the right way to lead so that's kind of what our job is as coaches is 
to know when to step in and know when to to let them go. One of the best examples that I have is that 2019 team. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a great team. That was, I mean, there's Division One talent all over that, all over the field, from the seniors all the way down to the sophomores that started, that are now in college playing um, playing college baseball. I, I I don't know what the final number is, but I think it's somewhere around twelve. Um, 12 college baseball players that were on that one team. And uh, yeah, it was, it was nuts. Not obviously not all of them were seniors, but, well, sure. um, but it, it, it was crazy. But what was m- the most fun about that team was I didn't have to do anything. Like it was a player led. It was one of the most amazing seasons, not because we went 31 and two, but because the players took care of it all. I mean, if, if, you know, the equipment got on the bus, equipment got off the bus, there was never stuff left behind. Like they had a checklist. I mean, we had, you know, kids that had everything on their phone on their, you know, and they would check it off as it got on the bus. We had kids that stayed behind and made sure that the bus was clean. We leave it better than we found it. Um, and, and we went, uh, we won 14 in a row to start the year. We lost two in a row and then we finished 17 and oh. So, <laughs> so we was basically a season of streaks and we lost, we lost a game, uh, our first game after starting 14 and oh, we lost our first game. We had a lefty that went out there and he, he just kept us on balance, did off balance, did a great job. Um, and then we lost to Sweeney who was the state finalist. Um, the next game we played. And it wasn't a bad game. And, you know, they had the matchup didn't work out. I think we we had we had conference coming up as kind of a tune up game for conference. They had a week off. So they had their guy on the mound and we had to go like Johnny Holstaff. And, uh, you know, it's a competitive game. We were in the game the whole way. I think that, you know, they ended up winning four to one or something. I mean, it wasn't wasn't a bad game. And so we're getting the field cleaned up after the game. And, 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 uh, I remember talking to one of my players at the beginning of the year as a quiet kid, you know, I always have meetings before the year postseason meetings. And we also meet during the summer. And then in addition to our, um, you know, our, our individual hitting session. So, so we meet quite regularly, check in with the players and everything is really quiet kid, really, really quiet. And, um, you know, he and I were talking about that and I have quiet kids myself. My own, my own children are quiet. So I, you know, I try not to, you know, I try to let everyone stay within their personality. And I I think that's a big thing is as a coach, you know, try not to be somebody that you're not. And, you know, I think a lot of times teachers and coaches and that kind of thing, they try to tell the quiet kids what to do. You know, you need to be more vocal or if it's not in their personality, it's not in their personality. You know, Andre Johnson was, you know, a leader of the Texans locker room and he didn't talk very much. You know, I, I, I don't think, I don't understand trying to get people, you know, to, to be somebody that they're not, you can be leaders in, in multiple ways. And so he and I were talking and, you know, we, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, his, you know, his personality. And I told him, I said, you know, I appreciate, you know, who you are and it's okay that, you know, you're not the most vocal, but you know, you always do things the right way. This is before the season. And he goes, coach, he goes, I want you to know that 
when the time is right, I will speak up. And I was like, okay, you know, and I, I'd forgotten about it. And this was two months later when, when we lost our second game and, um, kids, uh, we were cleaning up the field and the, and the kids really were, you know, they, they weren't like bad, but they weren't, it, the loss didn't really bother them. I mean, you know, it wasn't like that they were just like jumping up for joy, like that we just won, but it wasn't like we, you know, that we had just won. And again, we're 14 and two at this time. And we, you know, we knew Sweeney was a good team. And uh, so I call everybody up at, at the end. We'd cleaned, cleaned up the field, put everything up. As we're at our home field. And this young man, he, he goes, Coach, can I say something? I looked at him. I said, sure. And he went off. <laughs> he was basically like, this is uh, not acceptable. This is not how we're, we're, we're too talented for this. Um, this is not how we're, we're going to have our senior year. We put in too much. I mean, he went on a five minute tirade and when he was done, he took a knee. We all just kind of looked at each other and I was like, I'll see y'all tomorrow. (laughs) That was my post game speech. And we went on to win 17 games in a row. And, uh, it was, it, it was one of the most proud moments as a coach because it, it, you just see somebody, and, and this is one of the very few kids that did not go play college baseball off that team. He was a starter, but he did not. Now, he could have went and gone and, and played Division three, but he wanted to go to University of Texas and, and, and be a student and, and that kind of thing. But uh, – but he was one of the very few kids and um, he wasn't having it. <laughs> he, he was like, this is unacceptable. Like, you know, you're, we're acting like this isn't bothering us. And uh, it was, it was a pretty, pretty amazing thing. And um, you know, it's one of those moments that I'll never forget. I think that's really awesome. And I think there's a couple of, uh, well, there's a, quite a handful of lessons that are kind of embedded in there, but one, you know, it kind of came out at the end. There is the the idea of of when, as a coach, when it's it's time for us to not say anything and right. to just kind of shut up, I guess, and let let things be done. And I think a lot of times, as a coach, even after hearing a kid, you know, maybe go off like that, our our natural instinct is to stand up for him and and make sure that the players understand that we agree with what he said and and then add our own two cents on top of it. And what an important lesson for people here too that. There is definitely a time that as a coach, you just need to not just, hey, okay, see you tomorrow. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fun. It was, you know, that, that year. And again, we, you know, there's all kinds of little stories here and there, you know, of kids stepping up and showing leadership, but that was, that was one of the, that was one of the, the, the biggest that, that I've ever seen or, or been a part of. And, just knowing his personality and him stepping out of his comfort zone because he wasn't comfortable doing that. He's not, he's not a vocal kid and, and, um, and him showing the ability to step out of his comfort zone when we needed it the most. And I think that everyone listened because no one is, no one is used to him doing that. 
And, and I think sometimes as a coach, you've got to, you got to be aware of that too, is, you know, if you are too much one way, um, if you're a yeller or screamer all the time, well, that's going to be a deaf ear. And if you are, you know, constantly monotone and that kind of thing, and, and you don't ever show excitement, then that's gonna, that's also going to be a deaf ear. So I think you've got to, you've, you've got to, you know, fluctuate and, and make sure that, that you're changing things up a little bit and, and, and that kind of thing. I'm not a, not really a yeller or screamer, but, but, you know, I think sometimes that you need to light a fire and I don't believe in yelling at kids, but I, you know, I, I think sometimes, you know, a pep talk or whatever is, is great for them to hear from me. I'm not, I'm also one of, one of my little pet peeves, so to speak. <laughs> one of my quirks is I don't give pregame speeches either. Yeah. Um, I, again, I try to make games about the kids um, and they go and they have their own huddle before the game. They talk before the game. Now, again, we'll, we'll talk after the game. We'll talk about corrections. I will, I will talk about, you know, the motivating piece, the practice before a game, uh, you know, the day before or whatever, I, I will give those speeches. But I tell the kids if, if, if I have to get you motivated on game day, then, then, then we're not, our culture isn't right. And so, um, so I don't do it. I, I, I don't, I don't give pregame speeches before games. Again, I'm not judging anyone that does. And, um, but, but I just, again, it's just one of those things that, that, that I try to live by, um, you know, making it, making game days about the kids and it's their day. And, um, and, uh, I also don't hit fungo. I don't, I don't hit in and out. I, you know, again, I, I want one of my coaches to be out there and, and get a little bit of a limelight or whatever you want to say, you know, a, a big game, big crowd, you know, they're starting to trickle in and, you know, they get out there and hit fungo and they, you know, they're having fun and they feel involved. I think that's great. I'll be down there in the bullpen with my pitchers and be, be in the, be in the background a little bit. So, um, yeah. I started doing that this past year. I've been trying to do that for a number of years, but none of my assistants ever wanted to hit infield outfield. Right. And uh, yeah. I finally got a, a kiddo who had graduated a few years ago and he came back to coach with us. And uh, kind of part of my like hiring process with him was that, you know, he'd get to hit infield outfield. He was excited for it. And he gets to do it every day, but um, it mates. Uh, and again, no judgment for coaches that do choose to do that. Right. That's great. But um, for, for me as well, it's helped me, um, not only the the limelight part and giving that to, you know, allowing someone else to kind of feel that excitement and energy of it, but it's allowed me to use that time to also have um, uh, either conversations with individual players if we need to like go over a couple of things or yep. uh, just to step back and like you said, be, be in the bullpen or if it's something where I need to go to our PA announcer and go over something that's, that's happening that day. I mean, it just, it opens up so many more opportunities um, not only for that assistant coach to get a, you know, have some fun and just get to be part of that energy that day, but then as a coach for you to be able to kind of freeze you up to be able to do other things as well. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's fun. We've, you know, we've, I've been fortunate to have assistants that like to do it and want to do it. And um, I think it was a couple of years ago um, I had, um, a couple of assistants and one of, one of my assistants was, um, 
brilliant baseball mind. Um, but he was older and, you know, he was in his, um, he, he was older and, you know, physically, uh, you know, couldn't do it. And a couple of the others, uh, we were playing, you know, because we have adjunct coaches that don't, um, teach at Kincaid. And I think we were playing a day game or something. They were not able to be there. It was non-conference or else they would have taken the day off. And I had to hit it. And I felt like a fish out of water. I'm asking our catcher, all right, what's next? What, where do we go? All right, all right, where do I hit the ball? Like, it was so funny. And, I mean, the kids knew the whole routine. And, and I mean, they just coached me right through it. And, um, you know, again, it was one of those cool feelings that the kids know it. And they, they took me under their wing. And, and uh, you know, we, we ended up getting through it. I'll probably miss it like, you know, four or five. But <laughs> – and I definitely don't do the catcher. Uh, that that's just uh, yeah. Not, I, I, I'm not going. I'm not going for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I, I had a similar thing happen too. Like I had a when I took over here, I had a, a wonderful assistant who who came with the program. He has already been here and had established himself for a long time. Um, and it was just it was like having two head coaches. It was so nice. And uh, he ended up stepping down a couple of years ago. His kids were starting to get to the age where he was starting to miss out on a lot of their stuff. And so um, he needed to kind of step away so he could he could, uh, you know, be a, a, the dad he wanted to be. And uh, he had run all of our warm up stuff. And so I remember that next year <laughs> being like lost of like, I don't even like, I don't even really know what we do in our warm-up because I was always – he'd kind of run that and I'd let let him have his space and be with the guys and I'd be off doing something else during that time. And I remember thinking like I had to call him up and be like, Brett, what what, do you, what did you do for the warm-up for the last like 10 years because I don't have any idea. Yeah, I definitely have a similar feeling. So Matt actually created our warm-up and then he left to go be a head coach at Houston Christian and then our mm-hmm. – um, uh, another one of our assistants ended up taking over and we, you know, he, he basically kept the same warm up, and then he ended up going to, to work for, for a home builder and similar, similar situation. I was like, Hey, can you write up the warm up? Can you, can you write <laughs> all that up? So, um, so yeah, it, you know, again, it, it, to me, it's, it's, it's not, I guess you know when you're when you're a young coach, you you definitely are a micromanager, and um, mm-hmm. I think the the older I get, the the less micromanaging I do for sure. I, I mean, I definitely have my beliefs and in things, and we talk about it and that kind of thing. But but I try to I try to to give if you're passionate about something and you, you, you really, really believe in it and buy into it. And I think it fits in what we do. I think, uh, you know, then, then I'm going to let you roll with it. It's, it's yours and, and go. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. I think it's empowering other people. It's, it's just like you're doing with players. It's giving them that, that, that ability to be leaders and, and, and take things with them and, and not have everything just be a, a directive that comes down um, kind of from the head coach. Um, I, I had, I had one more thing I want to make sure I ask you before yeah. I let you go. Um, you, you know, I know you've, you've got a lot of baseball experiences. You obviously played, went to the Juco, then went to Lamar, then you played indie ball, then you played in the Royals organization. Um, obviously you've coached for quite a long time. So you've got a lot of memories in baseball. And one of the things that I don't know if it's like this for 
coaches or, or players of all sports, but I know for whatever reason, baseball, it seems most of us can kind of pull up any single memory from the baseball field um, if it's just jarred. And so I went ahead and looked you up because I had to know. Um, yeah. You obviously pitched in the Royals organization, um, but you got and you played in, in 1998. You played for the Royals single A team. There's the Lansing Lugnuts, right? Right. In Michigan. Right. You pitched 43 games. Yep. But you got one at bat, and it was your only at bat in professional <laughs> baseball. Do you remember oh, that at bat? Oh, man, I was going to hit a home run, too. Tell <laughs> well, I just, all I saw you. was you didn't strike out. So, I thought, okay, I'll ask you, how would it go? <laughs> so, all right. So, we had to enter our DH because somebody – I think it was our catcher. So, so, somebody got hurt, so we had to enter the DH and or burn the DH. So – um, you know, now the pitcher spot is hitting, I guess we didn't have any, um, I guess, I guess we didn't have or, or either. They didn't want to take me out at the time, or we didn't have any more, uh, hitters available, but I, I found out that I was going to hit. And I mean, I was on, I was like, I'm about to hit a bomb. Like, you know, because <laughs> pitchers, you know, you, we have that pitcher pop, you know, you, you, yeah. you can, we could all hit in DP, you know, cause we all have, you know, cause you have big old legs at the time. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to hit a bomb. And uh, so I'm, I'm like, you know, asking guys, uh, you know, can I borrow your batting gloves? Of course, you know, guys are willing to do that. But then when I go to the bat, no one wants to let me borrow their bat because, you know, because they they know I'm in, I'm getting ready to break this thing, and uh, so finally I get somebody to give me their practice bat. So I'm in the on deck circle, and I, I mean I'm convinced because I, I knew the guy was going to give me a fastball. All I had to do was be on time, <laughs> and uh, so I get up there, and the first pitch is a fastball, and I swing, and I somehow like pull it out of the catcher's mitt. I'm so late, like it is by me. And I hit it, and it's like off the handle of the bat. And I, I, I don't even know where the ball goes. I like look around, and you know, I, I, I know that I didn't hit it very well. And I look up, and the first baseman takes like two steps in foul ground and catches the ball. <laughs> and uh, you know, everybody in the dugout is dying laughing. And uh, so our uh, our hitting coach at the time was Rodney McRae, who was. Uh, you know, he was the one that you know the minor leaguer that ran through the wall on the fly ball. That's here, here in Oregon, yeah. I think. It's yeah. in Portland. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and and you know everybody's like on the ground laughing and everything because I was convinced. You know, at that time you're cocky, you know, arrogant. You know, you, I'm like I'm hitting there. You know, I can hit and all this. So they're all laughing because I was talking so much trash about how I was going to hit a bomb, and. um and so he, I go in and he is like, well, I'll give it to you. You went up, you went up there hacking. <laughs> he went up there hacking. So I was like, yeah, I, was, I just, it was a lot. A, there was a lot more velocity than I remembered. <laughs> it wasn't just one at bat. It was one, one career one pitch. pitch. It was one, <laughs> one pitch. Oh, but, man. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was fun. The kid, you know, the guys gave me a hard time forever about it. And, awesome. you know, that, those are the fun memories too, you know, cause that, 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 the, 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 them giving me a hard time and me, you know, talking trash to them and stuff. And, yeah. Those are the fun things that that's what you remember. 
Yeah, well, I, I'm glad I asked. I, I I thought it would be a decent story. I didn't think it would be that good. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. Pretty cool. I know you've got your uh, your kiddo's birthday party coming up here today, yeah. so I don't want to take too much more of your time. So uh, just let this thing finish off, kind of giving you the microphone one last time if there's anything. You know, we obviously we can't <laughs> cover everything in coaching high school. We barely tip, tipped into the iceberg, but um, – you know, anything that anything that we missed or advice or anything that you've experienced or, or whatever, just just whatever you want to say, just one more time for you. No, I just I think that I just thank all of the the coaches and the players that, that have been in my life and, you know, the parents that have entrusted me with with their sons and and you know, if there's any young coaches out there, you know, that that do happen to listen to this um you know it is uh, as you as you age and maybe you're more mature than i was at your age i don't know i'm 48 now and um you know probably back half of my career but you know when i first got into it i i probably wasn't uh quite ready to be a head coach and um you know i definitely thought that the x's and o's so to speak were the way and that um, you know, I was going to, I was going to X and O my way, you know, to it. And, and the more you get into it, the more you realize uh, it's about relationships. And, um, you know, we all have those, those difficult kids that are, that are hard to, to get to, 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 you know, get to trust you and, and that kind of thing. You know, you, you have the easy ones that are going to do everything you say and that kind of thing. But, but just, you know, getting, get developing those relationships with, with all of your players, um, is key. And, um, you know, getting that, 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 that to me to find success, uh, you know, getting those, those, those hard to reach kids, um, to, to buy in and to, to believe in the process, um, is key. And then lastly, I think, sometimes the forgotten kids are the ones that don't end up winning a, a starting spot. And, um, you know, I think as a young coach being afraid to engage those kids, um, because worried about where the conversation would lead, obviously, uh, was a mistake that, that I made as a young, younger coach. And I think, as I have gotten older, I spend more time with those kids and, and trying to make them understand their value and how much value they have to our program and how much I appreciate them. Because uh, it's not easy. You know, I, I, varsity baseball is, if you really think about it, I mean, I think most programs are like this. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's some programs that JV players were the you know best players play but in our program that's not the case we try to get everyone we're trying to develop we're using our jv and freshmen to develop our players so we get everyone playing time so you know varsity baseball for the most part and if you play tournament ball i mean obviously you're playing to pay um so varsity baseball i think as a varsity baseball coach you've got to realize is the first time that these parents and players have been told that their playing time is going to be limited to possibly none and um and understanding that that they're going to be disappointed and they're going to 
<laughs> they're going to, uh, you know, it, it's going to be hard for them. And just making sure that they know you still care for them, you still love them, you, that they're, you're just as important as a person as the three hole hitter in your lineup, you're important to the team. Um, I think, I think that that, by creating, by making sure that they feel valued and that 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 you value them, that creates a a culture where you have kids pulling for each other and not pulling in opposite directions. Um, so that would be my bit of of advice that I would have told myself as a younger coach to not be afraid of those conversations. Um, and to and and it's not just a one time thing, you know. And it obviously when the games are, you know, a, a certain way, one way or the other, you know, making sure that you're trying to trying to get them, you know, the playing time and 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 get them in when you can, just showing them that 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 you that you value them and that you're thankful for for their support um, of of the other players. So. That's that's the that's the one little bit that that I would have told my younger self and anyone that that might happen to to listen to that. Um, that's that's what I would say. That's uh, a great way to finish this thing, and it kind of goes back to that idea again that culture is a lot of little things that all kind of add up to each other, and that once again we're 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 not necessarily coaching baseball or basketball or tennis. Like you mentioned earlier, um, you're, you're coaching people and trying to help people become the best versions of themselves. And part of that is that self-reflection piece that you got into it, uh, into there at the end of, of knowing uh, maybe some of the difficult conversations that we avoid out of fear rather than just understanding that everybody's just people and we're just <laughs> people hanging out and, and it's okay if, if some people play less than others, it doesn't make them less of a person than anybody else. So, um, Steve, really appreciated getting to know you. I, I, I'm so thankful and happy that we got connected and that you were able to make time for us today. And um, hope your kiddo has a great birthday party and, and hope you enjoy it too. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I wish you guys the, the best of luck this year. And uh, hope you have a, a wonderful, wonderful year with, with, your, with your group as well. Huge thanks to Matt Pierce for connecting me to Steve. Not only was Steve absolutely hilarious, uh, but he's a tremendous coach. I think that's pretty obvious, right? I also think most of us are really good at saying we don't care about our coaching record. But if we're honest, most of us know it anyway. Steve's answer right off the bat about having no clue how many games his teams have actually won was really humbling for me, and I hope it was for you too. If you aren't signed up for the weekly newsletter or if you haven't picked up some High School Coaches Club stickers, you should definitely do so. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and wherever you're listening. Hit the subscribe button if you would. Most importantly, though, if you found any value at all from this episode or any previous episode, please share this thing on social media to your followers via email to your fellow coaches or through the old-fashioned word of mouth. It doesn't matter how you do it. Just find a way to bring a few more listeners in who might benefit. That's how we all get better, and that's how we grow the club. Huge fist bump to Coach Moss for jumping on the call with me. And thanks again to Netting Pros and Driveline Plus for sponsoring the episode. And of course, to you for clicking that play button. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation 
is you. Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Max Price and can reach me via email, max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right, that's it. That's all I got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.